I'm Paul Garabedian, Senior Media Analyst for Comscore, with the latest very special episode of Many Screens Big Picture. I'm here with my brother, the absolute Beatles expert of all time, Scott Movie Mance. But he's not just Scott Movie Mance, he's Scott Music Mance today. And we're going to be talking about Peter Jackson's upcoming, finally, we're going to get it this year, Get Back Beatles documentary. Long in the works, so anticipated, release dates moved, fans just so eager to see this film. And recently, or you know, a few, couple months ago, uh, Peter Jackson and his team dropped this montage of footage that all of us Beatles fans just getting like going crazy over. Scott, welcome to Main Screen's Big Picture. Let's get right into Get Back, the documentary from Peter Jackson. How excited are you for this? It is so great to talk with you, not only about movies, but about the Beatles. And, right. you know, when I woke up that morning, I think it was a Monday morning. And, I, you know, just just I woke up before I even got out of bed. I grabbed my phone, check out my emails, and then I get this, uh, this uh, email from Disney because they're the ones releasing the film, The Beatles Get Back. And it was a sneak peek. It was more than a trailer. It was a definitely a big, fat, massive tease because Peter Jackson introduced the footage that he was showing. Now, the release of this movie, it is a uh, landmark. It is anticipated, Paul, because of so many reasons. First and foremost is because it's The Beatles. And it's because we're going to be seeing footage of the Beatles that, for the most part, has never been seen before by the public. And we're seeing it in footage that has been completely restored and remastered to give the ultimate high-definition sharpness that we've come to expect in movies today. Because I'll tell you what, Paul, when the original film, Let It Be, came out, on May 13th, 1970 in New York City, it looked awful and not because it was depressing, but because the quality of the film looked terrible. Right. And Michael Lindsay Hogg, right? That's the who directed that one or put that together, right? That's right. Michael Lindsay Hogg directed the Let It Be film. And he got to do that because he had directed uh, throughout the mid to late 60s what they were calling then promotional films. Now we call them music, music videos. videos. <laughs> but, you know, he, did, he did music videos for like Ticket to Ride and Help and uh, you know, uh, Revolution and all that stuff. But the thing is, is that you know, the Let It Be movie, first of all, very few people actually saw it on the big screen. When it came out, it came and went. And when it came out, the word had already gotten out that the Beatles were history. The Beatles broke up and the person who made that announcement to the world was none other than Paul McCartney because when Paul put out his very first solo album, McCartney, when he sent it out to the press, in the record sleeve was an interview that Paul conducted with himself where he wrote out the questions and then he answered the questions. (laughs) And there were questions in that interview, okay, where Paul was asked, you know, by himself, do you foresee a time when the Beatles will record again? And the answer was no. 
are the songs on this album credited to Lennon and McCartney? And he said, no, it's just McCartney. I wrote them myself and I did not do any work here with Lennon. And he basically, throughout that self-released uh, press release interview that he put out with the first McCartney album, told the world that the Beatles were finished. Now, in reality, John had left the group the previous September during a business meeting when they were trying to figure out what to do next after they recorded Abbey Road. And Paul came up with the idea to go back out on the road and just show up at clubs and play a live band again, be a live band again. And John said, no, that's it. I'm out. I want a divorce from the Beatles, just like I divorced my wife. I want a divorce from the group. And he was told to keep it quiet. Now, a big reason for the dissent among the Beatles was in the previous couple of years, they stopped touring. So they lost that unity as a band. Their manager, Brian Epstein, died, and he handled all the business dealings of the Beatles. And also, you know, a couple of them were taking a lot more drugs. John got hooked on heroin. And yes, Yoko Ono was in the picture. And because they didn't really have a manager, Paul kind of took over to an extent where he came up with the ideas of what the Beatles were going to do. And the other guys kind of resented that a little bit. But one of the ideas that Paul had was to go back into the studio and record an album like on the spot, film the recording of the album, and then have it finish with this big concert. And after the recording of the White Album, which went on from May of 1968 until about October of 1968, you know, 33 songs, and they were all over the place in different studios. They weren't really working as a band they were working more as individual artists. So Paul said, let's record like we used to. Like all together now, right? In the studio, like getting them all together. You know, people talk about playing live rather than being like session musicians with your own group where one artist would co- or one of the band members would come in and record their, their bass. The other one would record the drums. They wouldn't even have to be in the same room. You lose something there. When you're not together, that sounds like what Paul was looking for to recreate that band unity and that vibe that you get from playing all together in the studio. You hit the nail on the head, Paul, because like when you're not playing together as a band, you you lose that unity. And by the time they stopped touring in uh, August of 1966, they hated touring. They couldn't even hear themselves, you know, at those big venues. The screaming was bad. And also the summer of 1966, you know, there was a lot of controversy with the Beatles are bigger than Jesus comment and they're touring uh, in uh, the Philippines. They almost didn't get out of there. And then, you know, they they uh, went to Japan and they got lambasted because they played at the Budokan, which is a, a, a holy venue. So they were like, done, we're out. No more touring. We were through. But then out of that came Sgt. Pepper. So some of their greatest work, right, was uh, when they left the road and went into that experimental phase with Rubber Soul, Revolver, Sgt. Pepper's where these are some of the greatest albums of all time. But they collaborated very closely, even though there were a lot of overdubs. It wasn't all like those albums weren't necessarily tracked live you know, the backing tracks and everything live. But there was that cohesive unit with George Martin, of course, putting that together. When they put out Rubber Soul in 65, uh, they were still touring. And even when they put out Revolver, when Revolver came out in the summer of 1966, 
the irony is that the Beatles did not perform any of the songs from Revolver on stage because they couldn't. How do you perform Eleanor Rigby? How do you perform Tomorrow Never Knows on stage? Like, forget it. You know, they're they're up there singing rock and roll music and, you know, Babies <laughs> in Black and She Loves You. And like, that's another band, man, you know? So when they decided they were going to go back into the studio in January of 1969, they started off on a sour note, like right out the bat, because initially they recorded... They, they filmed their, their practicing and their recording of the music at Twickenham Film Studios, not Abbey Road, where they felt comfortable, but this big, massive, cold studio where they did not feel comfortable. And they started recording at 10 a.m. The Beatles were not morning people. And they just were – it was not an ideal situation at all. So the cameras captured all of this. And the cameras captured them kind of bickering a little. Uh, it kind of captured John just sort of not really being present mentally and emotionally. And when the Let It Be film came out, it was so depressing for diehard Beatle fans around the world. And back then, everybody was a Beatles fan to see like the Beatles not getting along. It was so sad because when Let It Be came out, uh, or rather when it was filmed, it was filmed in January of 1969. So not even five years before, in March and in April of 1964, the Beatles filmed A Hard Day's Night. Now look at the fun and the joy and the energy and the vibrancy and the irresistible charm of A Hard Day's Night. Yeah, the exuberance of that movie, you, it's palpable. You you can feel it. And, you know, the Beatles, people don't realize, they weren't recording for very long. They were in their 20s when they – how old were they when they broke up in their late 20s? I mean, this is a band that has impacted generations of musicians – well, not just musicians, that's impacted everyone in the culture, and yet they were – literally recording for a very short time. And what you're saying is very interesting to me because I remember that the whole rap on the Let It Be sessions and the movie were that this was a document of a band falling apart. And you're right, it felt really depressing. Do you think what Peter Jackson is trying to do is by going back through the archives, through 56 hours, at first it was 55, I think they found another hour, which is great, <laughs> and uh, going through and um, – really showing the true story of what, not to sugarcoat it too much, but to give the full story, which I don't think it's really been given its due. And with the full cooperation of the surviving members and their spouses and, you know, they're those who uh, in their families, I think are very on board with this to really go back and have that opportunity to revisit this moment in time. And I think it's going to be a very uplifting movie. Okay, now now let's let's back up a second because even though I mean obviously I haven't seen the new movie yet, but I don't know if I would call it the, the the full picture, and here's why. So with the original film, you know, there's a scene in the movie where Paul is trying to tell George, you know, sort of what he's looking for, and he's trying to explain it to him, and George, like this is on camera in the movie, George stop puts his guitar down and says. 
I'll play whatever you want me to play, or I won't play anything at all. Whatever it is that pleases you, I'll do it. And it's right there on the camera. Very famous scene. I've seen that footage. It's like George Harrison is just like, you're the boss. You're going to get what you want. Almost, you know, at that point, Paul McCartney is the producer of the album. He certainly was acting like, I would say, their manager because, again, you know, George was very, his attention was elsewhere with the Indian music that he was inspired by. And John's attention was certainly elsewhere with all the protest stuff and all the, the avant-garde music he was doing with Yoko. And it's like, who was with him all the time, including in the studio, which the other guys didn't really dig either. But, you know... John got a new girlfriend. But here's the thing. So the question, Paul, is that over the last, I would say, 25 years, starting with the Beatles anthology project, that CD set, and that 10-hour documentary series, we've had so many Beatles things, so much Beatles product to make the Beatles fresh. We had the number one compilation album from 2000 that was like number one for like 17 straight weeks. You have special edition reissues of Sgt. Pepper, the White Album, Abbey Road. You have Blu-rays of A Hard Day's Night, Help of uh, Yellow Submarine. So the question that fans like myself have been asking for years now, what's taking so long with let it be. Why don't they just do it all? Why don't they do it in the road? <laughs> the recording of that album and the movie brought back bad memories. And even for surviving Beatles like Paul and Ringo and probably to an extent Yoko because she was also there. Like, why would you want to go back and watch your breakup again? Like, why would you want to do that? Yeah. So even like closing on, uh, I remember – you know, 11 years ago, when it's the 40th anniversary of Let It Be, I thought, this is it. This is the year they're going to put out a box set of like all these outtakes and they're going to put out the movie. And that didn't happen. So then coming up on the 50th anniversary, I thought, this is it. This is the year. But in terms of Peter Jackson, the direction he went with this new movie probably came from a conversation that he had with Paul and with Ringo because I'm thinking of a conversation that director Ron Howard had with Paul McCartney. For eight days a week? Right. I read an interview with Ron Howard where he talked about, like, you know, we've seen so much about the Beatles. Like, why do another documentary film? And he said, well, you know, I wanted to do one that was just on their touring years and everything. And he said that he had a conversation with Paul McCartney. And in terms of that conversation, Ron Howard asked Paul, what would you like to see? Like, what what would you like to see? You, Paul McCartney, you were there. What would you like to see from this movie? And Paul said, and I'm paraphrasing, but I remember the interview. Paul said, look, a lot's been written and said about the problems that we had, the uh, arguments, the unpleasantness, and that's all true. But back in the days when we were touring, we didn't have any of that. Back in the days when we were touring, we were four brothers and we had each other's backs. So if you can show that love that we had for each other, I'll be very happy. 
Well, you know, it's interesting too, because when they're, when you see them in the early days, they're quite young. They're the only people who knew what that felt like in the world. You know, you're one of four and only those three other guys know what you're going through. And when you see them jumping in the back of a limousine and just being surrounded by these mobs of people, they must just be like, oh my God, like what's going on? So there's, you know, it's like uh, people are in combat together, form a bond. I'm not saying it's like combat, but I mean, they went through that experience together. And, you know, for me, the I, I had heard all those stories about the, you know, the unrest or whatever in the band at that time during Let It Be, but always seeing that rooftop concert brought me back to, man, they look like they're having a lot of fun. What I love about this, it's a way to literally get back to what the Beatles were all about and to not to rewrite history, but to properly frame it in the context when it happened and with the 56 hours of footage. And I think there's a ton of audio footage as well. A craftsman like Peter Jackson, also a huge fan who has that passion can really put something together that I think will really like solidify that legacy of what happened at the end in a, in a proper perspective and not through the, the lens of uh, years of misinterpretation of what was going on. The film Let It Be, it definitely uh, sort of reinforced the myth uh, that they didn't get along and all that. But they all talked about, even John in past interviews, he, he you know, he, yeah, there were, we, we had our problems, but there was a lot of joy that we had during that time. And it's all, listen, as a movie lover yourself, you know, it's all in the edit. The edit of the original Let It Be uh, focused on the negative, although I do agree with you 100 percent. The ending of that film, the the rooftop concert, like, yeah, the, the, the stuff that preceded it was a bit of a downer. But when you see them and when you see them perform on the roof of Apple in January of 1969, it looks like it's freezing. But when they start playing again. They are a band. And they look at each other. You can see John and Paul like smile, like looking like they're connecting on that level. And that for me is what I always remember. I love that. Like if John screwed up the lyrics to dig a pony (laughs) and Paul looks over at him and they, they both look at each other and they nod and they smile and they laugh. Like that's the love. That's the love that peter jackson was going for so ultimately i think that the beatles get back this new movie is going to be what it should be which is a celebration of the great music a celebration of the joy that they did have a celebration of their brotherhood just like what ron howard you know sort of like hinted that he would uh, uh was doing with the the uh, eight days a week documentary and again the other thing paul is this most of this is being assembled and edited together from footage that no one has seen. That's what I love too, because earlier when you were talking about the repackaging of the number ones and, you know, new DVDs and Blu-rays and the mono box set and the stereo box set of all the, it's a lot of that. I love it. And I partake of all that and buy all that stuff, but it's repackaging. It's stuff I already know, but I can't get enough. So repackage it any way you want with the Beatles I'm in. But what you just what you just said, you just nailed it, that we're going to get new goosebumps, new Beatles induced goosebumps because we're going to see and hear things with that band that we've never seen before. I think in the hands of Peter Jackson and you're right, the quality of the footage from the Let It Be movie is just it looks like 
like an old home movie. I, I imagine they're using some of the tech, techniques that Jackson used in the, the World War I uh, movie that he um, created uh, out of the old footage. And I think that's going to even further uh, bring up the mood and make the joyousness of that uh, era and that really important time in the band really come to life. Well, well, you know, the the in terms of the footage from Let It Be, uh, the movie, the unused footage, never before seen footage. So so when the Beatles anthology came out, the full 10 hour VHS and then DVD set, when that came out uh, in the 90s, there was footage from Let It Be on like the last uh, the last episode that was not used in the movie and it was completely restored. So. In terms of a cleaned up footage, it's been around, which is what fueled people even back then. I remember back in 95 and 96, people going, oh, my God, did you see that footage of the Beatles in the, in, in the studio in 1969? That looked amazing. Maybe they're going to finally release Let It Be and have it be completely restored. And But, you know, again, it's like to go back and revisit that period. So here's Peter Jackson looking at the glass, very, very full. He's looking at the the better moments, the moments that really define the Beatles from their early years. And Paul, I got to tell you, you know, my favorite period of the Beatles is the early stuff for the very reason that you hit on, because it just shows like you get to see the the joy and the fun, it's the, the energy of the early music from, you know, uh, Please Please Me and A Hard Day's Night, Beatles for Sale, Help with the Beatles. Like, I love that stuff. And my favorite movie or documentary, if you will, to watch about the Beatles, I don't know if you've ever seen this. It's called The Beatles, The First U.S. Visit. It's directed by the Maisels brothers, the Maisels brothers who directed the Rolling Stones documentary, Gimme Shelter. The Maisels brothers were sent to JFK Airport in February 7th, 1964, to record the Beatles getting off the plane at their press conference. But then the the Maisels brothers had inside access. They were the fly on the wall when the Beatles took their limo into New York City. And this documentary is all this never-before-seen footage of the Beatles' very first visit to the United States for those two weeks in February of 1964. And it makes me so so happy to see you can see how much they love each other. And of course, you know, it's got the performances from the Ed Sullivan show, their first uh, their first concert in Washington, D.C. And it's it's 90 minutes long. You buy it on Amazon. It's called The Beatles, The First U.S. Visit. I'm telling you, when you watch this, you're going to be like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. See, I love that, Scott, because it reminds me of the uh, uh, the Apollo footage that they found. It looks like a movie movie. Right. Apollo 11. It was so cool. But that reminds me of that in the sense that you had these great filmmakers who were using film cameras, by the way, not video back then. And that's why that Apollo 11 footage looked literally like straight out of a movie. I believe they might have been shooting 35 millimeter, 16 millimeter at the least. And I would imagine that the Maisel's brothers had that kind of vibe going. I, I encourage everyone to to watch this footage uh, that Scott's talking about, because that sounds really cool. 
Well, in terms of Apollo 11, like that documentary came out last year and that footage date was 65 millimeter. Oh, it was 65. Oh, well, there you go. That's like climax size imagery, but still even at 35 mil, there's some great footage of the Who doing promotional footage around the Who Are You album before Keith Moon unfortunately passed away. And you watch it on YouTube. It looks like they shot it yesterday. It looks like a like filmed, well, it is. It's film content, but we always imagine this older footage looking like some of those old basement, t- you know, like terrible quality. I just think for a filmmaker like Peter Jackson, in this case, to do what he did with They Shall Not Grow Old, uh, using techniques from today to make something old, new again, but staying true to the original source material. That's what we have great filmmakers for, to be documentarians as well. And I'm so happy that Ron Howard did this. And of course, Peter Jackson, without them, you know, how are you and I going to do this, Scott? We can't really, <laughs> we wouldn't really be able to do something like this. So we're, to have these custodians of this great art and to have, you know, two of the four Beatles still alive today to see it and sign off on is just so spectacular. There's one thing that people say, and it's true, and I know this is something you can agree with as well, that when you're going through a loss, when you're mourning a loss, when you're grieving, the only thing that will heal you really is time. Time is the best healer. And the breakup of the Beatles, uh, as, as hard as it was for their fans, I mean, come on, these guys had the greatest job in the world. And it ended. And, you know, McCartney had talked about how when, you know, when the Beatles were history, he, he you know, he got depressed, you know, and he was drinking a lot. And Linda, his wife, uh, had to be like, OK, come on, pal, stop, snap out of it. Do, do what makes you happy. But but the uh, the prospect of reliving those memories now from January of 69, again, because you have Peter Jackson, who's, you know, he's Academy Award winner for the third Lord of the Rings movie, which won every Oscar it was nominated for, by the way. He's a fan, which is great. He's a genius filmmaker, which is great. And uh, the movie could not be in better hands. And again, those six minutes or five minutes. So, yeah, it's on YouTube. You can look at it there. But also, I just noticed this the other day on Disney Plus, like on the the, the queue, the uh, the menu, they have a preview on Disney Plus. You can watch it on your 65-inch TV, which I did. And, you know, that's where I really got a sense of the clarity of the restored footage. Because, you know, when I was watching it day of when it, when it dropped, I was watching it on my phone. But now I'm watching my big TV and it's like, whoa, this looks amazing. You just nailed it with the, the big difference between the big screen and the small screen is the impact of it. And, and you know, it's been a long and winding road, Scott, to get this movie <laughs> up there. I had to go there uh, because it was originally going to be released last year. Now it's August 27. Hopefully by then enough movie theaters will be open. You know, we've got some time now. So, Scott, I'm going to make an appointment with you to go see this movie together in a theater when it's released, you know, on that big screen, August 27 of 2021. Is that a, is that a promise? We're going to do that. Cross my heart, not hope to die. But <laughs> when I think about like, you know, looking ahead to, you know, through the rest of 2021, you're damn right. The movie that I'm most excited to see 
is the Beatles get back on the big screen. It's going to be, it really is. It's like, you're not, you're not seeing just a recut version of let it be. You are seeing a brand new film, a brand new film. And the rooftop concert that they used in the original let it be. They're going to have it all in there, right? Are they going to have the whole thing, the whole rooftop? I hope they do because it, why not? If the footage is there, then put it out. <laughs> you know, I've got news for you, Paul. I want to see the 56-hour version of The Beatles Get Back. You know, I think you're the one person who could sit through that all at once and and never stop. I, I love this, Scott. I really, you know, this is interesting because I thought of you first and foremost, always when it comes to everything Beatles. And uh, your car, I think even your license, well, I don't want to give your license plate out, but it, it references The Beatles. I mean, you're, you are really the guy you're my my beatles guy so we'll definitely go see this movie together i think it's just amazing that we have to keep waiting but you know it, it'll just make it that much more exciting when we finally get to see peter jackson's beatles documentary get back with all that new footage i really can't wait and i think is there going to be a book too i think there's a book oh yeah yeah that's right yes that's another thing so just like the beatles when the beatles anthology project came out in the 90s in the year 2000 they put out this big massive coffee table hardcover book uh which is basically the beatles story in the beatles own words so later this summer uh they are putting out a book called the beatles get back which is going to be much of the same thing it's going to be Tons and tons of photographs that have never been seen before. And it's basically going to be the story of the recording of Get Back, Let It Be in the words. So we can get that before the movie. So we have the documentary mentioned earlier from the Mansells brothers. And then we have this book to get us over the hump, to get us towards August 27. And, and when people ask me, Scott, what's my most anticipated movie of the year? They think, oh, it's going to be a big Marvel movie or it's going to be a, a big sequel or, a, you know, a, a franchise film. It's this documentary is the movie I'm most looking forward to uh, coming out in 2021. I think you'll probably agree as we wrap up today. Absolutely. 100 percent. Can't wait for the Beatles get back August 27th, 2021. Hopefully by then we will uh, be back to much, much better times. What better way to usher that in? And with a uh, with Scott and Paul going to the movies to see the new documentary. I thank you so much for being here, Scott. Uh, it's always a pleasure. I hope to see you soon. And thank you so much, my Beatles expert, Scott Mance. Scott Music Mance, I'm calling him today. Well-deserved title that I've just bestowed on you. Thank you, Scott, for being here. Thank you for having me, Paul. And, and let's go Beatles. Beatles forever. Beatles forever.